Hi, and uh, welcome to the third session that we have for new leaders training. In the first session, we covered that your calling comes from uh, Jesus himself, and he's the model, the, the, the prototype, I guess, of what a leader should be. Then the second thing we looked at, character and character requirements, and really the first most important character requirement is that Jesus Christ is your Lord um, and Savior. And then all the other requirements, basically they limit or open you to a sphere of influence, all right, uh, within the church, all right? So that the more integrity you have, the more discipline you have, the more self-control, these types of things, right? Um, the more truth-telling, uh, then the more influence you potentially could have at FGA. And we flex that um, as we go at FGA. Um, it's important to understand that at all leaders, uh, I would encourage you as a senior pastor, so if you're not at a good place with God, if you're not right for leading, that you tap yourself out. Even if you feel like you're really needed. What FGA's members or your, your ministry members, what they don't need is to see an example of somebody who's just pretending for the sake of doing the mechanics of church that does no one any good at all, right? So uh, I know within even our pastoral staff, we have our own internal channels for tapping in and out and covering for one another. I would encourage you, when you start a ministry or if you're leading a ministry, to put those kind of procedures in place where somebody can say and even be able to keep it private and just go, you know what, I shouldn't be leading this. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be playing guitar this, this Sunday. And then great. Because one of the great stumbling things that happens is um, when you start having a family and you're, right? And, and they know what your state is at home. You're arguing, you just shout, 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 and you get up there, especially as a pastor, you get up there and you're like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord again. Oh, like, ah, oh. that is the reason why like kids then go, oh, I don't want to be a Christian, it's so fake. <laughs> like, let's just not go there, right? I'd rather then the, our third choice for speaker comes on or the third guitarist or there is no guitarist or, you know, the senior pastor to be backup singer or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's better that we go down that road and you keep your integrity uh, with God. And you'll see that consistently. So actually, uh, we don't explain this to the whole congregation a lot. But within our leadership trainings, we always cover it. So that's another reason why you'll hear always people tapping out of stuff. Hey, sorry, I can't. I mean, the other reason is they played too much computer games the night before and they were all right. But one of the reasons why people tap out is specifically because of this. Is because we always talk about if you need to tap out, tap out. We'll, we'll just go, hey, we've got your back. We're not that tight as a church. Because our quality, I guess, requirements are not mega high. We're not like Hillsong broadcasting to, you know, like worldwide or whatever it is. Uh, we are actually broadcasting worldwide, right? but we don't care. 
Chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. Um, so, what is FGA's leadership culture? It's broadly described as household of faith. Hopefully by October, I'll have finished writing the book and we'll broadly have a description of what household of faith looks like. Um, but has everybody gone through the F-A-I-T-H model? Okay, let's have a test. So it's covered in orientation. Our next orientation is in April. But you're welcome to cover. But um, how, so FGA's mission is broadly what? What's our mission statement? Uh, yeah. So our mission is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's our goal. Uh, different churches have different goals, right? But for us, we just... Our aim is that I would serve the Lord and help you to serve the Lord. Then reach out to other people so that they serve the Lord. Because he's the, probably the best master you could have. That, that all these other masters that are being touted are not great. So that's FGA's mission. Our vision is household of faith. Vision means if you close your eyes, how do you imagine it to look like? We imagine FGA looking like this one big multi-generational household of faith, right? That we're in for long-term relationships and, right? And as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, right? So um, then, what does that mean? Our core values are actually in the acronym F-A-I-T-H. I don't know if you realize this, right? So if you were to describe somebody who exemplifies the culture of FGA or what household of faith means, they would stand for five things, which you may want to write down. I'm hoping you have it memorized because every single series that runs at FGA has a letter at the bottom of the guide. So every time we run a series, we're doing one of the FAITH. This year, every year, has one of the FAITH. So this year is I, intimate relationally. It's our pastoral year, right? Last year was our evangelistic year and we were faithful to the mission, okay? The year before that we were, was our T year, we were uh, our teaching year and we were doing scripture and we were teachable in discipleship. That was our teacher focus, okay? But culturally you need to understand our core values that if you wanna embody household of faith, it boils down to five things. They've been long debated in our senior leadership team. It's been at FJ for ages. These are the five. One, you're, so our culture, you are faithful to the mission, evangelist. All right? That means FJ exists not to serve you, to make things all right. It is faithful to the mission of God. That means God's serving God's plans and desires and his mission, right? Making disciples, right? So evangelism. Two, the next um, core marker, core value at FGA is active and personally involved. That's A, that's our apostle, the sent out one. You, you'll catch that at FGA. As soon as you rock up at FGA, somebody's asking you to be active. Some, we don't believe in a faith that you are not incarnationally involved in. 
right? Incarnate means, uh, carne means flesh, like carnivorous, right? Incarne means in the flesh. Jesus came, when he was saving us, he didn't save us by radio waves in the sky. He was active and personally involved, so personally involved he died on the cross. That's how personally involved he is. So we, we think if you're in our household of faith, you're just going to have to be active and personally involved. I know, I know maybe you have money and you can send your money to missions and you can do your whatever thing. Maybe you're smart, you can send some emails. Or Forget it. You're also personally and actively involved. Active and personally involved, right? That's the second marker of our culture. I, which is the pastoral um, gifting, means you are intimate relationally. Oh my goodness, FGA is an interfering church. We'll ask you, are you going out yet? Have you had children yet? What is your son? What is your job? How come you're not going out? Why? Right? Oh my goodness, the number of people who've asked me how much I paid for my house. Okay, we're just intimate relationally. All right? Uh, FG, households of faith are high touch. Jesus chose, Jesus chose the intimate relationally model for his uh, ministry. He lived with his disciples. That's, that's his model. We, we model of that, right? So it's a cultural marker for FGA. The next one is teachable in discipleship, all right? That means we're always learning. We're always growing. Somebody is uh, discipling and mentoring us, even if it's relational. Maybe it's not in like, these formal classes. In fact, I'll tell you a little bit about sort of formal things at FGA, right? But the, the discipleship is always occurring and we're anchored on scripture, right? That's why you always see large chunks of scripture being read or... Um, so we're teachable. So if you are in FGA and you want to reflect how of the faith, you're like, oh yeah, I'm teachable. I'm, I'm going to be teachable. This auntie and uncle, they're going to be able to correct me. And if you're an uncle and auntie, you're open to be corrected by anyone, even younger people. Because we are teachable in discipleship, all right? And then H is the prophetic, holy and set apart. That means some things might be okay for our friends. They're not okay for us. We're, we're, um, our purpose is for God. We're holy and set apart. That means I'm really conscious that FGA is not like the average community group in Australia or in Melbourne, right? Um, one of the good things about Holy and Set Apart is like, um, if you read the orientation book, right? It talks about, we talk about water. Anything can be Holy and Set Apart actually. So even my, my games night this Sunday can be Holy and Set Apart, almost. If like non-Christians come in and I, I reach out to them, and they're like, great, yeah? Because water can be used for like drinking, Right? Bathing, you can wash your dog with water, your car with water, right? And then you have water in the temple, it's a holy water. So all the things that you do, whether it be our eating or our whatever it is, if the purpose, holy just means set apart for the purposes of God. Right? I mean, anything you do, if that's set apart for God, then brilliant. It's already holy. And that's us. That means we use our home, right? That's why in the Holy and Set Apart, you see, we talk about tithes and Sabbath because there's parts of our lives and it's holy, it's set apart. 
as a model, as a template for all of us to set apart. Forgot, all right? So F-A-I-T-H model um, kind of describes the leadership culture at FGA, right? Now, what you need to know about, and now I'm gonna get a little bit technical, so, because it took me ages to understand this about FGA, because I grew up in chaos, all right? Um, and then I did my MBA, and then I, I learned the science behind the chaos. There's two ways that organizations run. Culture control, policy control, okay? Culture control is like Ikea, Japanese countries, right? They, they expand to another place, they put a Japanese at the top and then they go, right? Because they don't have a lot of things written down. Uh, Smorgan uh, was like that, right? Uh, here in Australia. They don't have a lot of stuff written down. They, they run as an organization using culture, using culture, so they raise up sons of the house, they, people understand what, what you should do, what you can't do, right? And then they pass that on organically, right? And then there's policy control, which is, hey, you can come in and out, I don't really need to know you, but as soon as you come, here's the policy document, you better follow it, right? Policy control enables you to grow faster and wider, because you can use anybody, and everything's explicit. It's what they call low, it's what they call low, oh my goodness, low context communication. Low context communication. That means you don't need to know what the context is. The policy says you will not get in a car with a girl, a minor girl, when you drive them home. That's it, right? You don't need to know, oh, it's actually Rachel, and I already said it's fine, or whatever it is, right? Or it doesn't matter, because it's low context. Whereas, FGA, and I would put it, a lot of our Asian families, and a lot of Australia actually now, right? Is high context communication, or high context control. What that means, so I know I'm getting really technical, but as a leader, you need to understand this about FGA. It's like when you're at home and you're a kid and your mom has, or people have guests over, right? Your parents have guests over and they pull out the nice chocolate and they say to everybody in the room, help yourself. Everybody take as much as you want. All the kids know, I can't take the whole thing and put it in my mouth. They all know the guests are supposed to eat it, and maybe I can take one, but I can't take 30, right? Because it's high context. You already know from the look on your mom's eye, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. It's high context. I'll tell you now, for better or for worse, FGA is high context. That means when Pastor Roland tells a joke, right? You're not supposed to take it seriously. Oh my goodness. He's just trying to pull off the really cool daggy uncle joke category. <laughs> you know? Right? Like it's it's high context communication. Now that's really bad for new visitors. It's really bad for like Western engagement and stuff. So we're trying to improve, right? So we're trying to hit that balance. But 
all of our mentoring and our, our discipleship occurs through culture control. That means if you do something wrong, Auntie Peggy comes up to you and goes, oh my goodness, why did you do that? And then five other aunties or somebody else comes up to you and goes, oh, you know what? You shouldn't do that, you know? Like, maybe you should think twice about... Great, because nobody's going to be quoting some policy document, section 52, whatever thing, and then, and then throwing you on it. There is a way in which we do things. All right? Now that is more Old Testament. It's more Eastern. It's more Jewish. All right? Um, I like it. So I've grown to like it. Now, there's definitely downsides to it, and we'll, we're happy to, I'm happy to discuss it, right? But I will put it to you that now, in this group, because I'm looking around, all of you are relationally connected at FGA, right? You'll be able to pull off, in fact, just by you saying the qualities of um, leadership that you just said in the beginning, I already know that FGA's culture discipleship method has been working with you. It's really fantastic. It's actually really, really, really good. It's how the Old Testament used to do it. Right? And so that's why even in sessions like this or new leaders training, whatever, even as the senior pastor, I am not completely thrown off by the fact that at FGA, maybe more than 50% of people haven't been to this new leaders training class. Because they are leading in the way that we hope they would lead. If not, we would have done something about it anyway. Because we, we would rather have conversations. I'm gonna have a conversation after this with Vicky, right? About what to do about a particular ministry. I'd rather have that conversation. Then I say to Vicky, hey Vicky, sorry, I don't have time to talk to you. Here's an email with the policy document on what we do for ministry. Why don't you just read it and follow it? We've all been in organizations like that. It doesn't, engender relationship and it doesn't for us anyway it doesn't allow for the nuances of discipleship to occur so what you'll do what you'll end up seeing in FJ is you'll catch different people's heartbeats and different passions and um, some will be more prophetic some will be more teaching some will be more evangelistic some will be right and then you'll sort of move around those um, within our church but every one of these leaders will run ministry in a different way. And seemingly, there'll be no consistency out of GA. But the consistency is this, that we are this household of faith and that we are uh, committed to serve the Lord together. Right? In this long journey. And so, um, you'll see us talk a little bit about things like um, giving good terms. Part of the culture at FGA is instead of being this bland gray. Here are the three approved songs that everybody likes. So we'll just sing Good Good Father every Sunday or whatever it is, right? <laughs> we basically, we believe in giving every, every ministry a good turn, every gift a good turn, or every generation even a good turn. So when, it, uh, so when Uncle Alan's up, I'll just let Uncle Alan pick whatever side I just like, oh my goodness, he'll just sing whatever he likes to sing. <laughs> and everybody will just roll with it. Brilliant, because it enables us to see the richness in our household. Okay, um, uh, resilience building is something that we are uh, very keen about. So one of the reasons why we have the kids in the ministry uh, in the service, right? 
um, why we keep all the generations together even, is because I think it trains us up. It trains us up for the tough times that are going to come. Australia, uh, it's going to be harder and harder to be a Christian. And so resilience for me, the one line, I guess, um, I've got a chapter on it in the book, but one line for resilience is so many times we want to do things, but we find that we can't pull it off. And part of the reason why we can't pull off is we lack that resilience. It really needs to be built in. Then you'll discover that you're able, after repeated exposure to stuff, you're actually able to navigate and pay attention in a church service while kids are crying. You've just become resilient. Like, I'm very appreciative, as you hear me say many times, of my mom and my dad growing up in a home where my parents will scold me and tell me all kinds of stuff. I'm like immune to it now. Like, maybe too immune sometimes, right? But I'm semi-immune to, like, crisis because that, that resilience builds up. I'm not so suhey that, you know, it just doesn't... Okay, anyway, well, multi, <laughs> multi-generational, we're set about, right? Okay, these are, um, uh, these are cultural markers, I guess, for what it is to lead at FGA, all right? So remember I said there's two requirements to leading at FGA. One is the God requirement, that he's your Lord. The second requirement of FGA, though, is that you're submitting under our vision. That means we're building the same picture. That means you are... Now, that doesn't mean you have to be fully across all of the stuff that we say. Maybe you're concentrating on being intimate relationally and and, and pastoral gifting. Or maybe you're in the prophetic arm and you're really concentrating on making sure FGA, we're holy and we're set apart and we really hear God's voice. Fantastic. You're, you've, you're, you're one part of this. Brilliant. Right? But everybody who serves at FGA, every ministry that serves at FGA must understand we're all in one household of faith. That means you don't think you're the be-all and end-all of all the ministries of FGA. You're not. That's the, other, that's the second requirement, is that you, are, that you buy into the vision of household of faith. Okay, now, this is where I want to spend most of my time discussing and chatting, because it's quite a different leadership style. You'll see other churches that are way more organized, and they've got a lot more things to say about the culture side of things, and they've got policy documents and all kinds of things, right? Um, uh, do all of you know where our child safe policies are? No. No? Okay. Our child safe policies are on our main website. Yeah? So if you go into the main website, you'll be able to find it in um, about FGA. But also, after attending this class, all of you will get a link via email to our child safe policies. It's, I'm going to summarize our child safe policies because it's, it's important sort of cultural marker for us, I guess, and it's on the policy side, right? We have very few policies, but child safety is one of them because we've implemented child protection across all ministries across the whole church. So here's the one line that you need to memorize. For if anything happens regarding minors at FGA, you report it up. 
That's it. That's the one thing that you need to remember. Right? So up. Yeah. So up. So whoever, if it's you've got a home group leader, you're brought to your home group leader. If you're a home group leader, you're brought to your ministry in. If you can't find anybody, then you're picking one of the pastoral staff. If, if, if it's the, one of the pastoral staff that is abusing a kid or whatever it is, then you're going to the senior pastor. If you're not, if it's the senior pastor that's having an issue, then you're going to the senior leadership team. That's the other thing. If not, you're going to the elders. But you're reporting it up. And that applies for everybody in every situation. That means if you are at all, if you hear or see anything that you would deem as suspicious or inappropriate for kids, you're just mentioning it. You're reporting it up. That, that's, the, that's the broad summary of it. In fact, like of the seven policies, four of them, are, one of them is have a policy. The, another one is tell people about the policy. Like they'll, basically, but then the policy is tell people if something goes wrong. Like, so it all boils down to like basically, right? Always report and create an environment where it's possible to report. That's it. Yep. So um, if someone tells you not to report, you must also report. You must also report. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. some parents are telling you not to report, right? Yes, that's right. If, for so, example, the husband is abusing the child, the wife might tell you don't report because it's her husband yes. who is implicated. Yes, but you have to report. So I'm not talking about reporting to the authorities, which you can. You're, you're, you're very welcome to privately go and report it. Like, I, we're not the US military and we deal with our things in-house. Like, I don't care. Like, you're very welcome to just go to a police station and go, hey, I think so-and-so is abusing someone, right? But internally, tell up. So we want to know about it as well. Yeah? So we may or may not report. about life, right? So if you know a child or anybody, even an adult, uh, has suicidal tendencies, right? And you, it's a life involved. Life is very important. You need to report up straight away because it's a life involved. Do you understand what I mean? So mm-hmm. even if someone tells you, you cannot tell anybody, I tell you, so and so is attempting suicide. I know they attempted suicide many times. You need to report because it's a life. Yes. So, um, so the, uh, the harm, um, the fiduciary care and harm requirements they formally only apply to the employees of FJA, right? So our pastoral staff, we have rules. If you come up to me in a private confidential session, which I won't tell anybody, and you say you're gonna commit suicide, I have to legally report. You have to legally report? Yeah. In Australia, all ministers have to do it. Oh. Right? If I have a genuine, uh, reasonable, within a reason, Reasonable doubt or something like that, right? If I genuinely think you're going to commit suicide, I have to report. But yep. lay ministers? No. But lay ministers, we will still encourage someone like a home group. Oh my goodness. Yes, please do that. Like seriously, don't have it on your conscience. Like seriously, if somebody, if you seriously think someone's going to commit suicide or take somebody's life, <laughs> tell someone. Yeah. Don't keep it to yourself. To yes, even if they tell you, right? What I'm trying to say is the legal requirement is only uh, for our, our pastoral staff. 
Right. But you don't want it on your conscience. Like seriously, just don't. Just tell somebody. And, and also in ministry, I find this very often. Somebody will come up to me and say, I'm going to tell you this problem with my uh, child or with my husband or whatever. But you cannot tell anybody. I will tell you, but you can help me, but I don't want you to tell anybody else. Then I tell them, I have to tell the other elders and the city pastor. If you don't want me to tell them, don't tell me. Right? Yeah. Don't tell me because I cannot keep the confidentiality for you. Yeah. I, I, we have within the eldership uh, obligation to tell each other the problems, serious problems of anyone in the church. So if Alan has a case which he cannot handle, which is very serious, and the person tell him, but you cannot tell the other elders or the same pastor, he can tell him, must tell them, in that case, I don't want to do don't tell. Because if you tell me and you say I can't tell, then I breach my covenant with the rest. Do you understand? Yep. Because we're all a team. The, the people that will go best to help a person is the person we think best for that situation. So for example, if it's a female and goes to Roland, and Roland might want me to be involved, right? Because I'm a female. But that person say, don't tell. Don't tell anyone, just I'm telling you only. That Roland cannot handle it, he's a male. Right? Yeah. He might want to involve Evelyn or myself or Megan or something, but he can't. It's just not practical, we just have agreed not to do that. Yes. So. But then, depending on the situation, you may not actually tell. So some things are like I'm, I know my mom is describing things at the eldership level, and actually at the senior, at the pastoral level as well, we operate like that, right? But um, I'm very conscious that at different levels of leadership across FGA, so like whether it's youth or kids leadership or whatever it is there are some things that you need to keep confidences of. It's only when it involves life or abuse. Yep. Things that are like really critical. You know what I mean? If you're talking about oh, husband and wife quarreling, I think that one is not so important. Yep. But if, if the husband has threatened the life of the wife when they're quarreling, we need to know. Yep. Because sure. there's a life involved. One day she might get actually hurt badly yep. and we could have stopped it or done things to prevent it, and because you won't tell. Yeah. So um, actually, our last session covers competency and leadership, right? And one of the, and, and basically you'll discover very quickly, there is no leadership competency manual that FDA is gonna give you, all right? So the best way for you to learn what to do in which situation and how to handle it is to continually talk about it. That means in your leaders' meetings, you're always having dialogues. Hey, what, what should we do here? Hey, is this good, right? And then Ruth uh, always chats with me or Jordan will chat with me. Your 1830s leadership team will have uh, discussions. Like continual, frequent dialogue is actually the cultural learning model that FGA applies to disciple and train leaders. More is learned in those types of situations where we discuss things than in any classroom of notes that you would even take today. That's how it runs. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, questions? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something you've always wondered. You've always wondered why is FGA's culture like this? Or what's weird about the leadership at FGA? Do y'all find a generation gap between the aunties and uncles and the younger people? 
Do you all face any challenges or issues dealing with the older generation? Get a few more years and you're on that side. <laughs> <laughs> That's only for you, Mike. <laughs> Some of these guys have to add a decade. Oh, okay, yeah, the formal research, okay, great, that's a, that's a good idea, actually. So, um, we covered this in our orientation, right? But FGA is led at the top by our senior leadership team. It is both the spiritual leadership of the church as well as the board of directors from a legal association point of view, all right? We're a not-for-profit organization, right? So we're a not-for-profit uh, association. Uh, uh, and I'm effectively the chairman of the SLT um, uh, and the, I guess the CEO or the head of the, um, the church organization, right? Then under the um, senior, so uh, we have an eldership advisory board that don't run uh, operationally at FGA. So they don't have sort of formal powers per se, but the eldership advisory board comprised of Uncle Roland, Uncle Alan, and my mom, they advise me. They can actually, they have powers to sack me. So I meet with them regularly and make sure my job is intact, right? Um, but they, they are my advisors. So they keep me in check. They keep the, my accountability uh, in check. Um, and then uh, I oversee the senior leadership team. And the senior leadership team oversees all of the different ministry heads, right? Uh, that go across. So whether that's kids ministry, youth ministry, adults ministry, the office, all that. Every ministry has a ministry head. For instance, 1830, that's Michael team, right? Harold for kids. Uh, it's going to be Jordan for youth group at the moment. Uncle YC and Quinton uh, co-leading uh, home groups ministry this year. Right? So every ministry has a ministry head. And that's basically the leadership structure from there. Because then every ministry has their own individual leadership structure within that. So kids ministry have just formed a, a core team. Then they got an engaged, I don't know, excite team, empower team, whatever else it is, right? Then the youth group have they they organize by home group leaders, I guess. Right? Like mini I don't know how your leadership team. <laughs> Something like that, right? Um, 1830s have an 1830 leaders team, but they're considering some kind of core leadership, right? So everybody has their own leadership structure within their department, basically, right? Then, whenever we meet as a leadership, because we're culture control, I tend to define leadership very broad at FGA. So for instance, we're having our first one of two all leaders training days this year. It's on the fourth, no, the third of, it's on the third of February, Saturday the third of February. All leaders are invited. All potential leaders are invited. All assistant leaders are invited. And we'll have like a hundred and something people there. 
right? And um, in fact, I encourage you to come along for this particular one. We've got a really good, I'm so pumped that we got, we got Craig Campbell coming. He headed up the um, Victorian Council of Churches Emergency um, Services. And he's going to be talking about post-traumatic growth. How do you grow from trauma? Right? Because it's our pastoral year. That means from hurts that have happened in your life, disappointment that's occurred, maybe loss of a loved one, things like that. How, how do you grapple with stuff like that? How do you handle, speak to people about that kind of a loss? And so he'll be coming in to run that training um, for us. But we tend to do leadership reasonably broad from that point of view. So once you go, the only formal, real formal leadership we have, I think, that sits at FGA is at the ministry head level. Even home group leaders, there's no formal um, tie-in at all. Because there will be home group for 1830s or so. Like, it stops at the ministry heads. Because the ministry heads write annual plans that approve budgets, that link into programs. Yeah. Whereas home group leaders, we have um, home group leaders, we just have uh, different ways of categorizing, um, different ways of categorizing it. Yep. Yeah, but that's a good question. So, thanks. I, you, you probably need to ask me a few more like uh, formal or policy type questions because we tend to be really bad at explaining them. But they're there. They're there, like we have. Yes. That's right. So every ministry have their own leadership manual. What I'm trying to describe right now is the universal FGA. That's why it sounds pretty vague. But every ministry has their own. Like you've got a youth leadership manual, right? Uh, Kelly, you've got a kids ministry manual, right? Great. Home group leaders have a home group leaders manual. No, they have no manual. <laughs> every ministry, every ministry has their own way of running ministry. Put it this way. Like prayer ministry wouldn't have a prayer ministry manual. But there's a missions policy manual. Yeah. So Yeah. So every ministry runs its own kind of way. But it's very closely watched. Not from a policy point of view, from a relational point of view. That means we, we know Mike really well. Harold, Ruth, we meet with the leaders, we see all the... So um, that's how it's done. Which I prefer. It means then we can't go international very quick. We're not going to have franchises all around Melbourne and... FGA, whatever, Sunbury, whatever it is, it's, it'll be hard for us because we're culture-oriented. But it means that we're forced to be intimate relationally, we're forced to have these discussions, and we have to do life together, which I like. Does Mark apply more to Bible study, uh, home group leaders, but amongst the ministries, mm -hmm. is there like a guide as to what um, Bible study they might run 
that FGA does themselves, or is it kind of like up to the ministry head? It's up to the ministry like, head. Okay. So it's up to the ministry head. So kids ministry will determine their own curriculum, youth ministry determine their own curriculum, home groups ministry determine their own curriculum. So uh, let's talk about home group ministry as an example, right? Adult home group ministry, which Intrepid is now going into, right? Uh, broadly follow the preaching. So we'll have three home group curriculum, um, three home group series during this year, right? Now that is only to help the home groups because some home groups go, oh, thanks for that, but we have our own. So they even run their own home group curriculum. It's just that there's a lot of our home group leaders, they don't want to do their own curriculum. They don't know what to run, so we give them something to help out. But all of the curriculum, that even if you do something different, Uncle YC knows what it is. And it's approved via that. Yep. There's also Christian education classes. Yep, we run Christian education classes. So Christian education ministry run by Uncle YC, which my mom helps us uh, out in. Um, they have their own... In two or three semesters. Semesters and way of running. In fact, uh, we just secured Scott for February March. Yeah. Very poorly attended by the younger people. Oh. <laughs> yes, which is why I think you'll see, so yet to be announced, but they're looking at some stuff um, for February, March that's going to be championed by the, I don't know what the new Intrepid's called. It's called Intrepid. Right. Intrepid 2. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, well, good. These are good questions. That, Tell me why the young people want to attend Christmas. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why is it hard to come for Wednesday or, yeah, or Thursday Christian education class? Those who don't attend should speak up. <laughs> okay, the other thing, there, you, so I mean, you probably figured this out by now if you've been an FJ for a while, right? Our actual formal channels of communication are half useless. Because nobody can tell you what the announcements are on the Sunday service. Because that's the time they catch up on their clash of, clash of clans or whatever it is, right? Like, it just, whatever email goes out, whatever formal thing goes out, it's really useless. Like, most of the communication in FGA is informal and relational. That means I'm almost willing to bet you're here because either one of your friends is here or somebody said to you, hey, maybe you should come along for this. Very few of you, maybe one or two of you, came today because you saw the announcement at church on Sunday. You wrote down the notes, oh, I better type. <laughs> it happens, but it's so rare, right? Um, it's just the nature of how things are at FGA. Um, 
My strategy professor actually um, used to say to me, strategy is about picking the kinds of problems you like to solve. Right? All strategies, well, the kinds of problems you want. So if we wanted to, if our strategy was to be an excellent church, we wanted to have the best worship, the, the state-of-the-art preaching with lights and our service is so smooth and whatever it is, then the problems we have to solve revolve around that. That means, how good is our electric guitarist, right? How funny is the, the speaker? What's the lighting like? And we'll, Those are the problems that we will be talking about all the time to make sure it goes well. Because that's our strategy. That's why people are coming to the church. We have elected as a church because of our calling that God has called us. He's created this church. He's birthed this church for the reason for household of faith. We've picked as our set of problems relational problems. Intergenerational relational problems. Relationship relational problems. Father's daughter relationship problems, right? We've picked relational problems as the things we like to do. That's our strategy. So we don't spend a lot of time dealing with fixing OHP matching lyrics with lighting, with uh, our guide. Like, sure, we try to do those things, but our primary strategy is, hey, let's do household of faith. Yep. Um, and so it has birthed a church that then, unfortunately, doesn't reply to CCB invitations, <laughs> doesn't book in for, like, it, you take the good with the bad. That's what we've got. We're trying to improve, we are really trying to improve, but part of it is just an understanding that we've elected to go down that road already. Um, there are many, many professional churches out there. Uh, one day we will be professional. <laughs> But we'll get there when we get there. So Chris, would you see that this strategy how is a great challenge when it comes to scale? Huh? Yes. So yeah. Yes. Because at some point. That's right. That's right. So that's a really good question. We're gonna take a five-minute break and then we're gonna segue into competency. Because competency will affect that. Um, how many people we can impact, how you impact, the kind of impact you have as a leader is very much linked to competency. Okay, so five minute break, and then we will finish on time, I'm pretty sure. Because competency will be the short part of this. Um, yeah, oh, Jesus ran culture control, by the way. He doesn't have a policy document. So you only got to figure out what Jesus wanted if you were his disciple, and half the time they were well, half the time they were lost. I mean, I don't even realize that half the time the disciples were like, "What is this? I don't know what's going on. Who are you?" <laughs> like, it was so non-policy control. It was all culture control for Jesus. Um, you had to live with him, and he would tell you stories and parables, and that's how you learn. So we're following in good, broad steps. Okay, 